but you are going to the other side. And uh, in fact, I can promise you that there'll be a storm, <laughs> a couple storms, you know, that's just a part of being down here on earth. But you are going to the other side because I know who's in the boat with you. And, um, you know, when we, you know, just a, a couple different analogies here to help get us all on the same page. Um, anyone ever tried to walk on something that wasn't sure? Like you tried to walk on something that wasn't sure. I know that uh, here recently we got a lot of ice and stuff. And um, we, I went out to my car and, uh, and going out to my car, there's all this like black ice and you got to like be careful where you're walking and you got to be careful because how many know that your foundation is going to uh, dramatically affect your walk, right? What your foundation is, what, what's at the, the bottom of your feet. How many know that the foundation of a building is going to greatly affect what's built, right? Uh, foundation is, is going to determine how tall you can build, how strong the build is. And, um, you know, what is, what is our foundation? It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact everything. Now, um, in, in terms of building, they can, uh, you know, crank up a house and, you know, mess with the foundation and try to strengthen it. But how many know that in doing that, it's very difficult, it's very expensive, it's very hard to do that. I don't know if anybody's had any experience with that. Um, but it's, it's very difficult to do that because once a foundation is laid it's difficult to go back in and reconstruct <clears throat> in the natural realm. Now, the beauty of the realm of the Spirit is this, is that God can, by His Spirit, go in and strengthen your foundation. Um, and He can do it regularly because He has the ability to do that. How many know that we are the building of God, right? We're the house of God. We're the building of God. You know, the church building isn't really the issue. How many know that we are, we are the church? This is just a place where we can gather, <clears throat> where we can come together and we can do church and we can do life. But that foundation can be touched by the Spirit of God and strengthened so that you can handle what's ahead of you. Because how many know that um, only a strong foundation is going to have the ability to handle the storms of life? Only a strong foundation, right? And so what I really feel strongly of the Lord is that God wants to come in and He wants to touch uh, your foundation and strengthen it here this morning and make sure that it's built on the right things. <clears throat> How many know that um, your confidence should not be built on anything that you can produce in your flesh and in your strength? How many know everything that can be shaken is being shaken right now in the time that we're living in, right? Governments are being shaken. Money's being shaken. Stock market's up and down. <clears throat> all kinds of stuff. Um, Everything's being shaken. And so it's important not to build your confidence in something that can be shaken, and it's important to build your confidence in something that can't be shaken, right? How many know that if we try to build our confidence in, let's say, say you try to make your confidence on the way you look? How many know there's always someone who looks better? How many know that if you're trying to build your confidence on how much talent you have, there's always somebody more talented? Let's say you try to build your confidence on how much money you have. How many know there's always someone that has more money? There's always someone that has, there's always some, so if we're trying to build our confidence on something that is shaken, then how many know that our confidence is going to be regularly shaken and we're not going to be able to move forward and walk forward with any uh, a, a level of stability? Everybody say stability. God wants to bring a stability 
into your life that is rock solid. Um, and the only, the only thing that is, let's look at it in, in Isaiah 28 and verse 16. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, <clears throat> behold, <clears throat> excuse me, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. Everybody say foundation. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be ashamed. And so this is, this is your foundation. This is your cornerstone. This is, this is your solid rock. How I many know I'm talking about Jesus right now? This is a prophetic scripture that is, is um, pointing to Jesus. And we want, we want Jesus to be what we build everything on. Uh, so many times in the body of Christ, we, we, we've, built, we've built stuff on everything but Jesus. And uh, how many know a ministry shouldn't be built on a person? Ministry shouldn't be built on a denomination or a non-denomination. How I many you know, even a ministry shouldn't even be built on somebody's faith? Or even someone else's relationship with God? Or someone's gifting? How I many you know the only thing it should be built on is Jesus? How I many you know we, that we came here today to glorify Jesus? Not to glorify anybody else. Not to exalt anybody else. We came here to glorify and focus on Jesus. Because how I many know that Jesus' work is a finished work and He's a good cornerstone and no one's going to move that cornerstone? No amount of wind, no amount of rain, nothing is going to change the finished work of the cross that's been settled 2,000 years ago. Amen? That's what we want to build our lives on. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and um, want to just take a look at this here in a moment because when the storm is blowing and tribulation and circumstances are challenging, we will find out what we trust in. We will find out what our foundation is. And, um, and, and, and in one sense, it's a good thing because it helps, it helps to reveal to you what you're trusting in. You know, how many know these, you know, 2020 and then even 2021, how many know that things have been shaken and we're going to, we find out what we're actually trusting in. Um, and, you know, it, and so, and that's not a bad thing. And, and the beauty of, of, of the realm of the Spirit and the kingdom of God is how many know you can take what you're trusting in off something that's shakable and put it on something that's shakable in a moment? One moment of time, you can take your attention off of something that's shaking and put it onto the rock, on the rock. We're talking about on Jesus Christ. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that that foundation is where we build everything at. We're going to strengthen that foundation and shore up that foundation so that when the storms come, when the rain comes, when the wind comes, when the persecution comes, when the tribulation comes, we are built on something stronger than man. I don't want what man can produce. What man produces will fall. We don't want anything man-made. We want it out of the kingdom. Amen? Because that's the only thing that is going to be solid. That's the only thing that can handle the days ahead is the kingdom. Amen? And how many know the kingdom is not shaken? How many know the kingdom is not intimidated? The kingdom is not upset? How many know God has already prepared for this time? And He's prepared you for this time. But He wants to hide you in the cleft of His rock. He wants to surround you in the sure and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ so that when all hell breaks loose, you don't question your relationship with God. The last thing you need right now is to be in question with where you stand with God. Because if all hell's breaking loose, 
and you're not sure if God's for you or against you, that's a very difficult place to be. How many know, as long as I know, let me ask you a question. Do, do y'all believe God's all-powerful? I mean, I believe He's all-powerful. Like, you know, even, you know, God, you know, split the Red Sea, multiplied the loaves, raised Lazarus from the dead. But, you know, if you really want to look at God's power, look at the universe. Look at, look at a supernova. Look at, look at a black hole. Look at the expanse of this universe. And God did all that just to give us lights to look at in the sky. How I many know when God is using His power on earth, He's got to use tweezers. Because that's how powerful He is. Are y'all tracking me here? He's extremely powerful, right? And so if the all-powerful, almighty God is for you, do we have anything to be afraid of? See, we just don't. We just really don't. Because we know He's all-powerful. We know He's almighty. God's not fighting a foe that's on His same level. You have to understand this. This, this angel, this former angel, uh, has been stripped of all power, all anointing, and the only thing that he is now, he's an outlaw spirit and he's a liar. And on his best day, he was an angel. On his best day. Okay, so it's not God and the devil. When this thing wraps up, God sends one angel to chain him up. He got 144,000 that we know of. He sends one. And then the Bible says in the book of Revelations that when we finally see this guy, we're like, this is the guy that deceived the nations? We're going to be astonished at how weak and frail this liar is. So look, whatever this world can throw at you, it is not greater than your God. Let me take it a step further. Whatever you can throw at you, it's not greater than your God. I mean, you know, sometimes our greatest challenges are not the battles on the outside, it's the battles on the inside. Whatever you can throw at you is not greater than your God. Can you get an amen? amen? And so if this almighty, all-powerful God is for us, then we don't have anything to be afraid of, right? But the question is always, is He really for me? That's the question. And that is the weak link in the chain of events. <clears throat> and that is the fight of faith, right? It's the primary fight of faith. Is We know God can do it. Is He going to do it for me? Okay? And the enemy will always try to get your attention and your focus on you to determine the faithfulness of God. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, you look at you and your conduct and your behavior and your good deeds and your bad deeds and you weigh them in the balances to try to determine whether you are worthy of God's deliverance whether you're worthy of Him being faithful to you. Was I good enough? Did I do enough? I, 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 I. How I many know, today, we've not come here to talk about us. <laughs> me, myself, and I. We are not here to talk about us. We're not here to talk about me. How I many know, I'm going to sidestep, and we're going to point everything to Jesus Christ. Because you see, He is faithful to you when you are not faithful to Him. He is faithful to you when you are not faithful to yourself. So the question that hangs in the balance, see the enemy is always trying to get you you-focused, right? Let me ask you a question. Did the thief on the cross warrant anything for God to save him? 
He was a thief. He was dying. He was crucified. He took the punishment. He did nothing right. He didn't go to church. He didn't tithe. He didn't give an offering. He didn't preach. He didn't pray. He did nothing. But he did the most important thing. He looked at Jesus and he believed. And the Lord said it was enough. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all you have to do. How many know that the Lord Jesus Christ, He is enough? He is your Lamb. He has done an awesome deed. He did a good job on the cross. He took away your sin and He cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. And He removed your sin as far as the east to the west. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the entire world. Not just the sin that's in this room, not just the sin that's online right now, the people that are watching. He's taken away the sin of the entire world. One drop of the blood of God is so powerful it will cleanse all of mankind. One drop of the blood of God would cleanse a billion planets worth of sinners because the blood of God is that powerful. Let us not lower the blood of Almighty God to the level of bulls and goats and think that our forgiveness is like a band-aid that wears off. Let's recognize that this work is an eternal work. This work is an everlasting work. That Jesus did an amazing job on the cross. And that if you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. And God is for you, not against you. Even when you fail, even when you fall, even when you fall short, even when you mess up, your God will seek you out and rescue you. He will pull you out of the pits. And he will, he will get you. He would say to you, don't look at you. Stop looking at your mistakes. Stop looking at your failures. Stop looking at your shortcomings. Lift up your eyes. Look at me. I am enough. I am enough. See, the question is not, are we enough? None of us are enough. There is nobody in this room that's worthy of themselves. I know we've all fallen short of the glory of God. How many of there's no one in this room any better than anyone else? We foolishly thought that the law was graded on a curve. And there were great sinners and lesser sinners. Not true. The Bible says if you broke one, you broke them all. How many know everybody here needs Jesus? Ain't nobody making it without Him. Ain't nobody any better than anybody else. It's not an issue of your series of conduct. It's an issue of you being dead and now you coming into life as a result of the rebirth of receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your salvation is not based on your conduct. Your salvation is this. You're a new person. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are not the person you used to be. Listen, if you could save yourself, Jesus didn't need to die. You don't save yourself. You don't bless yourself. You don't climb up the ladder of God's promotion. We do nothing but receive. Your believing is what's important, not all these other things. Now, when I wake up to righteousness and I realize who I am in Christ and I find out that I'm a child of God, how I many you know it's going to change the way I act? Because when I'm believing properly about myself, I'm going to be acting in line with the way I believe. If I take a child and I tell that child seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that they are dirty and no good and bad, how many know that child's going to walk out the self-image that I place on the inside of them? 
And too many times, too many pulpits have spent all day long dirtying the children of God with a false sense of self-righteousness, always calling to remembrance how they're not good enough, they fall short, they can't, they're not, they need, they need to do more, give more, be more, they, 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 they. The finger is not pointed at the people, the finger is pointed at the cross. It's pointed at Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. As you behold Him, you will be changed from glory to glory. Legalism will always point you to you. And and that's why legalism destroys and annihilates faith. Because if we look at ourselves, we recognize and understand, no, we're not worthy. No, we're not good enough. And if we think we are, we're even more deceived than those who think they're not. I mean, self-righteousness is absolute foolishness. Who are the people who could not be healed by Jesus? Pharisees and Sadducees. Why? Because they were self-righteous and proud. No, no, no. We've come to behold Jesus Christ. We've, We've come to behold the Lamb of God. We've come to be reminded that you have a more sure foundation than the greatness of your conduct last week. You have a more sure foundation than you. How many know if you are your foundation, then you're going to have some challenges? How many know we can't be our foundation? How many know Jesus has got to be our foundation? Amen? We've got to take our attention, we've got to take our focus, and we've got to put it on Him. How many of the promises are yes and amen in Jesus? All of them, right? How many know that that thief on the cross received the fullness of the kingdom in a moment of time? Because he simply did what was the most important thing, he believed. And he received all of it. So the yes and amen is in Christ, not in us. Right? But the enemy would always want to get you to focus on yourself. To look at you. And I'm telling you right now, looking at you ain't going to change you. Amen. Now, if you want want a self-help class, amen and you want to try harder and be more and do more, then you can do that. And, and you can find many churches that will honor that way of thinking. But I have not come here to give you good advice. I have come here to give you good news. You have a Savior, and He's going to save you because He loves you. So I encourage you, take your eyes off of your mistakes. Take your eyes off of your disobedience. Take your eyes off of your good deeds and your victories and get your eyes back on Jesus Christ. Because in the days ahead, you need to know that God is for you. And you won't know God is for you unless you base it on Him and not yourself. Because as long as the enemy can drag you back into looking at you, he'll talk you out of the promise. Yeah, God's a healer, but He's not going to heal you. Yeah, God fixes marriages, but He's not going to fix yours. Yeah, God saves kids, but He's not going to save yours. Yeah, God, yeah, God, yeah, God, yeah, God. Shut the devil's mouth with the finished work of the cross. Can I get an amen? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I testify to you today that the blood was a success. 
and you are a forgiven people that have a right, a blood-bought right to every single promise that's in this book. Because unless it is given to you for free through Jesus, then faith doesn't work. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many of you know if you got to try to earn it and deserve it, it becomes a paycheck? How many of you know God is not your employer? He's your dad. <clears throat> and dad says, I want to give it to you for free. How many of you know when dad gives it to you for free, who gets glorified? Dad does. Not you. You know, if we, if we go to uh, you know, Christmas this year, and my, kid, my two boys come up and say, Dad, we're going to earn every gift under that tree this year. And we're going to be so good that you're going to owe us every gift under that tree. And then Christmas rolls around, and they were so good. How many know that they have robbed themselves of enjoying my love by trying to earn it? And they have robbed me of the joy of being their loving father. And when Christmas rolls around, they're not getting a gift, they're getting a paycheck. How many know gifts are better than paychecks? How many know it's better to get something you didn't earn? Now, nothing against working hard and getting a paycheck, that's wonderful. That's what this world's all about, that. But when it comes to God, it's better to receive what you don't earn and what you didn't deserve. How many, I'd much rather be the 11th hour worker than the first hour worker. Can I get an amen for that? And we can all be the 11th hour worker. It's an attitude thing. It's a, it's a perception. It's not an amount of time in the field. <clears throat> you can be bitter, <clears throat> excuse me, and you can be upset and demanding about, uh, with God. How I many know we can, you know what legalism is at, at its root? It's I'm going to be good enough to control God. I'm going to be so good, God's going to owe me. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then, here's the thing. When you don't get what you think God owes you, because you're not, because you don't roll like that <clears throat> at all, frustrates grace. You will never bring God in debt to you. Here's the thing. God owes us nothing. He will never owe us anything. He will, however, give us everything for free through Jesus. <laughs> Amen? But when you try to bring God in debt to you, how I many know you're going to get bitter and you're going to get upset? Well, God, I fasted, I prayed, I, 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 I. And then you're going to see somebody come off the street, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, like myself, praise God, and then just roll up in there like the 11th out of work and say, oh, are you in line? Here, let me, let me get in front of you, bro, because uh, <laughs> I found out it was free. <laughs> and, then they, and, then they're there, and then they're going to get it. And they're going to get it first. And they're going to get everything you worked so hard to get. And you're going to have to check yourself. Before you wreck yourself, let me quote a 90s rapper. Praise God, I had to real quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just for a second. Amen. Moving right along. Back into the spirit. <laughs> because, how many know, God says, I'm so good, I can do what I want to do with my stuff. And if I want to be good to somebody that you don't think deserves it, then you don't know who I am. Because you've never deserved anything from me, but I've given you everything because I love you. So get your butt up out of the field working like the elder brother and come back to the father's house and receive freely 
and throw a party with me because your son that was lost is now, or your, your brother that was lost is now alive. He's now home, and we're going to throw a party. <clears throat> I'm telling you, ministry in the days ahead are going to look more like parties than they are like church services. <clears throat> They're going to look more like feasts and celebrations and, and laughter and, and, and food and freedom and liberty and joy because... The prodigal son does not come home for a church service. He comes home for a party. We will be known by our freedom. The glorious liberty of the children of God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is joy. There is music and dancing in the Father's house. There's more than enough room at the table for everybody. Don't find yourself out in the field working the plow trying to earn something that was always free. There was never a price tag for you. There was a price tag for Jesus. And Jesus came in and He poured Himself out and He paid the price and then He made it free. And He said, whosoever will, come. Come and eat. We can all be 11th hour workers if we'll put our attention and our focus on the goodness of the Father and not our own goodness. Not our own goodness. Don't try to make God owe you nothing, man. If you do, you're going to be unhappy. And in order to have fruit, you're going to have to go to Walmart and buy it and tape it on your tree. Seriously. Because it ain't going to be real fruit. It ain't going to be fake fruit. Because God is never going to give you something that you've earned. Hallelujah. It's the truth. How I many know in one moment of time we can change our, our attitude? I can go from a first hour worker back to an 11th hour worker in one moment. <clears throat> you know what it looks like? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't ever want to be the elder brother. I don't want to do it. The elder brother is not enjoying his life. He had it all. And he had it all. He had everything. Had the whole inheritance. Working his butt off out there in the field, laboring for something that was free, and then someone rolls up in there and gets it, and he's jealous, offended, and mad. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I want to be the guy that gets to cut line. <laughs> I want to be the 11. Because here's the thing. How I many you know when you've received something freely from the Lord, it's easy to give it away? Come on. How I many know freely you've received, freely you give? When you've received free, <clears throat> something freely from the Lord, it's easy to give Him glory for it. It's easy to glorify Him. How I many know He's the one who deserves the glory? Can you get an Amen. All the gifts that are represented in this body right now, some of you're aware of, some that you're probably not aware. Every gift that God's given you, whether it's a motivational gift, a ministry gift, uh, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, <clears throat> all these different gifts, you earned none of that. It was given to you because God loves you. You know what I'm saying? And it was given to you to glorify Him with and, and, and to draw attention to Him, not really even draw attention to yourself. Amen? <clears throat> and I mean, oh, that's awesome. It's beautiful. And in an atmosphere of graciousness, God is glorified and we are thankful and happy. You know, the quality of your life will not be based on the abundance of things that you have or how smooth things are and all that. How I many of the quality of your life is your gratitude? It's your spiritual temperature. 
Everybody's checking your temperature these days, right? Everywhere you go. <laughs> Praise God. So, and they have different stuff. Like some places I go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, like <clears throat> we go to my son's basketball games. He plays high school basketball. And like they have an iPad up there. That I, so, so man, I'm like, and this is the first time I've seen one like this. You know what I'm saying? And so like I'm on this thing. I'm like, I'm like right here. You know, I'm just like, because I mean, because you know, with the regular one, you got to let, you know, and the guy's like, excuse me, sir, you need to scoot back. I was like, what, what, what? No, excuse me, sir, you need to scoot back. I mean, I had to scoot back like four feet so this thing could get my temperature, praise God. But how many know that there's a spiritual temperature check called gratitude? Amen? Do we have a lot to be thankful for today? We really do, man. We just have to, we have to change what we're focused on, right? The difference between someone who's thankful and unthankful is one person's focusing on what they don't have, and the other person's focusing on what they do have. And the person that's filled with gratitude is thankful. Can I get an amen? Listen, stop trying to control God with your obedience. It don't work. Just enjoy God, and then you will obey because you're so thankful that he loves you so much. Cart before the horse. Yes. And it, it brings you into a relationship with a father rather than laboring for an employer. You tracking me here? God wants to give you everything. See, you didn't come here to get blessed. You're already blessed. You've received every blessing in Christ Jesus. All I'm doing is I'm preaching the gospel to you, which is activating that Christ on the inside of you and pulling you out of the carnal mindedness that's in this world to make you think you've got to earn love and acceptance and blessing. It's all free through Jesus Christ. Can you get an amen? It's all yours. And it's, and it's a yes and amen in Him. As you receive that type of blessing, as you receive that type of love, how many know it's the goodness of God that leads you to change? How many know it's the goodness of God? It's the goodness of God. Anybody here ever been overwhelmed with the goodness of God? To the point to where you're like, like what do you want me to do? Man, I used to be the most rebellious, like, oh, man, I was such an idiot, such a jerk. Like, no one could tell me anything about anything. In high school, I had two classes they wouldn't even allow me to go into because I'd made the teacher cry so many times. I was an atheist. I was, I was, I was so rebellious. The cops couldn't control me. The teachers couldn't control me. Stacy couldn't control me. She, she did the best out of them all, but she still failed. She couldn't do it. Nobody, my mom couldn't control me. I couldn't control me. But you know what subdued me? And I stand before you today completely submitted to, to him. Is he, couldn't, he would not stop loving me. So like, I surrender. Amen? And so allow that love to keep you thankful Grateful, fearless, and constantly, constantly, constantly receiving. Never ground yourself from all of God's goodness. That is New Testament disobedience. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, Jeremiah, you don't understand what I said. You don't understand what I did. Where sin abounds, grace... Much more abounds. So in the moment that you think that you've disqualified yourself from all of God's best, 
the bright shining arm of Jesus Christ reaches down into the pit that you dug for yourself and says, come on, you don't belong there. You're better than that. And when you take that outstretched hand of salvation in the form of God's amazing grace and he pulls you out, do you know your heart gets so filled with gratitude and so filled with love, afresh and anew, when you know God blesses you and you didn't deserve it and you didn't earn it? How many know it causes your life to become a form of worship? Not just the songs that you sing. But your life becomes a form of worship. Amen? How many know our God is that good? Amen. We have news that's that good. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Prophetic came in and just interrupted the service for a little bit. Amen? He's very welcome to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So going back to your foundation, and let me call to your remembrance, is God all-powerful? Okay. Is God going to be all-powerful for you in 2021? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Now, deliverance may not come on your timetable. Deliverance may not come in the way that you thought it was going to come. How many know that when 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 they were going to the other side and they were on the boat, how many know they wanted Jesus to be awake? How many know you want sometimes to be able to feel God? You want sometimes to hear His voice. You want sometimes to have the clearest of direction. But how many know sometimes your test is trusted in moments when you don't feel it, you don't hear it, and it looks like your, your ship is about to sink. And that moment of the testing of your faith is more valuable than all the money in your bank account, all the clothes on your body, everything that you own on this planet, your faith is more valuable than that. Because that's what you're taking to heaven with you. Not all this stuff. It's these moments when, you were, when your trust was tested. That's what you're going to be sitting down at the marriage supper of the Lamb's table talking about. Not your new car. Not your house. None of that stuff. It was all hell was breaking loose and we thought we was going to die. <laughs> But God (laughs) came in and rescued me. And the rescue happened not because I was awesome or amazing in my conduct and my activity. The rescue happened because He is Savior. And He loves to save me. That's why when we see Him, we're going to take that crown and we're going to throw it at His feet. Because that's where it belongs. It don't belong on my head. It belongs on His head. Because He has saved you and he, because He loves you. He chose you. Before you were born, He knew you. He knew you. He knew everything about you. and he, <clears throat> You satisfy something in the Father's heart that nobody else can satisfy. You, you hug Him in a way that nobody else hugs Him. You, you follow me? There's something about you that's special. You know, when I get a hug from my 15-year-old, it's special. 
It's different than, than what I get from Eli. Eli does, what are they called again? Hugamuggas. Hugamuggas, boy, they are some good stuff. He rubs his nose against mine. And, and getting a hug from my 15-year-old is powerful because it's by choice. Getting, getting a, a hugamugga from a three-year-old is powerful because it is by choice. It satisfies something inside of me. How many know Lily's going to satisfy something inside of me that they can't? Don't make me cry. I don't want to cry. Stop crying, Jeremiah. Am I going to be able? I told Stacy, I was like, when we leave this hospital with this baby, we're going to need two wheelchairs, one for you and for me, because I, I will have cried so hard that because uh, I'm so thankful. But how many know that if, 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 my, if me is a natural man, if my children are that special and they satisfy something in me, how much more your father? How much more do you satisfy something in, in him? How much more is he excited to see you? Listen, God's more excited to see you than anyone has ever been excited to see you. When you show up to meet with him and to be in his presence, whether it be in a church service or at home or wherever, how I many you can meet with God anywhere? Can I get an amen? But when you turn the noise of this life off and you put your attention on him and he sees your face rising up, there's something inside of him that leaps because he made you for fellowship with him. How awful would it be for you and me to disqualify ourselves from deserving that love based upon the dirt that was on our hands? <clears throat> you know, periodically, our, like, you know, Eli, he gets dirty. You know, he gets dirt underneath his fingernails and stuff like that. He's a little kid. He gets dirty, right? How many you know the dirt on his hands does not change who he is? And also doesn't change how much I want to be with him. It would break my heart to think he would say, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm too dirty to be with you. Are you too dirty for the blood? No, sir. Did the blood do a good job? Yes. Then you're clean. Yes. You're as clean <clears throat> You're as clean as the Son of God. Yes. Because the Son of God is where you live. You don't live apart from yourself any longer. You're inside of him. He's inside of you. Are you tracking me here? You've been made clean. <clears throat> now, I know you can make mistakes outwardly with your hands and with your mind. You're on earth. Earth's a challenge. But your spirit, it's sealed, man. Clean, 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 clean. What God has cleansed, don't you dare call common. Don't you dare call yourself common. Don't you, <clears throat> don't you dare call yourself unworthy. You come to daddy. You jump up in his arms and you sit on his lap as, as Jesus would. Because Jesus didn't die to buy you a, a, a lower seat at the table. Come on. <clears throat> he didn't die to buy you. A, a, you're not a third class citizen. <clears throat> You're not a second-class citizen. You don't belong at the end of the table where the cool kids aren't. You don't belong at the end of the line. No, no, no. <clears throat> he bought you a front-row seat to the Father's heart. With the same boldness that Jesus comes into the throne room, that same boldness has been given to you because that same gift of righteousness has been imparted to you. 
And so I say to you, children of God, stand up and be bold in the days ahead when the storm comes, when the rains descend, when the challenges you're facing. Don't question whether God is for you. Because when you're questioning whether God is for you, you're questioning whether the cross was a success. That is so insulting. How many of this covenant that he's cut? <clears throat> he, he cut it, but Father God and Jesus cut this covenant. We're just in it. It's not about us. Amen. How many know God removed the weak link? Us. Now it's not about us. We're in Him. Man. I mean, I think that we need to, we need to, we need to take everything that Jesus paid for and we need to operate in it on earth. What does that mean? How would you carry yourself if you believe that God loved you as much as He loves Jesus? How would you walk? How would you live? Would you allow someone saying something demeaning to you on social media to challenge your worth? Would you allow someone who who looked at you and maybe flippantly just kind of wrote you off to challenge your worth? No, it's time for the children of God to stand up and put their shoulders back with confidence that God is for you. Can I get an amen? Not just for you, but there are all kinds of people that need the Christ that's going to walk through you. Amen. And if I'm washed up in believing the false reality of condemnation from God, then there's a veil over the light that's within me. And rather than people seeing the light that is within me that God placed inside of me, they see me in my woe is me. I'm so bad. I'm not good enough. I, 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 me, 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 me. No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Get your eyes off you. Can I get an amen? The good parts of you, the bad parts of you, just you. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Behold Him. See Him. Look at Him. Then the truest version of who you are arises out of that place. When you know that God is with you, you know that God is for you. Because when the wind comes and the rains descend and all the challenges happen, you need to know God's for you. And you need more evidence than the greatness of your own conduct or your church attendance or all the little boxes that we check to make ourselves feel worthy. Jesus checked a very large box eternally over your life without your permission without asking for your permission. Amen? Golly, how can we not but win, right? Our God is for us. Let's be strong and do exploits. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. Don't wait for your government to deliver you. Don't wait for a pastor or leader to deliver you. Don't wait for a man to deliver you. Don't wait for a woman to deliver you. Your God will deliver you. And when the deliverance comes, you point people to Him. When the blessing rolls, you point people to Him. Always point people to Him. Take credit for nothing. It'll keep you safe. If you start trying to take credit for stuff, then you're going you're to fall right back into pride. And then you're going to go right back around the mountain again. 
And, and grace will be frustrated in your life, and you'll have to be humbled again. Hallelujah. Don't ask me how many of those T-shirts I own. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, <clears throat> I'm telling you right now, you, <laughs> there is no room for pride in the kingdom. There's no one in here team better than anybody else. Okay? Nobody. There's no one in this room that has more of a right to God than anybody else. <clears throat> we, we, we've done a disservice to the people of God when we've taught him this person is the most holy. I am holy. I am awesome. <clears throat> Front row, a little less holy. Next row, a little less holy. Next row, a little less holy. How many know that the kingdom of God is not a pyramid scheme? <clears throat> we are a family seated at the same table with the same rights. <clears throat> we are all firstborn. And so there's no room for any pride because none of us get here because we found our way here. God came and got us. <clears throat> so we don't have anything to boast in. We don't have anything to brag about except Jesus Christ. So let's keep ourselves safe for the blessing uh, ahead and don't take credit for none of it. I mean, I mean we're, not, we're, not, we're not called to brag about our faith. That is the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, I'm sorry. These are strong words, but it's true. Like, God instituted faith to remove the concept of bragging. If you look at it in Scripture, it says we can't boast anymore because it's all by faith. And yet we're all like, I'm a man of great faith. <laughs> For three easy payments of $19.99, you can be just like me. <laughs> I don't want to live a life where I boast about my faith. I, don't, I want to live a life where I boast about my Jesus. Can I get an amen? Look, we can't deify ministers and pastors and leaders any longer. They're just people who got saved and got a gift that they didn't earn, and it was free. Amen? We've got we to we glorify Jesus, man. We've got to glorify Jesus. Because the world has enough idolatry already. They don't need to come into the church for more idolatry. <clears throat> if someone is worshipped in the church and they embrace that platform as being worshipped, they will fall. I promise you that. How many know we're seeing falls left and right right now? Falls everywhere. Everybody, there's just somebody new falling every day. Why? Because they're trying to be glorified and trying to be worshipped. They can't do it. You can't handle it. <clears throat> Only one person can handle the glory. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, He will glorify us in His glory, but how many know He's the one that gets the credit? How many know at the end of the thing, when this, when this whole thing wraps up, there was one that was just and true? Yes, just one. Just one. Oh, <laughs> oh he's worthy. Yes, he, is. he is worthy to be praised. Yes, he is worthy. He is worthy. I love it like that. Keeps it safe. Amen. Keeps it good. Keeps it healthy. We're called to point to him. Amen. Keeps everything good. Keeps everything good. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just feel like we're going to just start worshiping the Lord in here. You know what I'm saying? It's just going to just erupt in praise. Because <clears throat> He's awesome. His majesty. Oh, I love Him, man. <clears throat> he can, he's got it, man. Praise God. So... And going back to your foundation here, I want to 
I want to address the area. I mean, are they talking about the weak link in a chain, right? I want to address that, okay? And I want to address it in your life personally so that, <clears throat> so that you're not just feeling the presence of the Lord in here on Sunday morning. You're not just excited. I'm, I'm going to address this link so that on Monday you're an overcomer. Tuesday, you're an overcomer. Wednesday, you're an overcomer. Thursday, you're over overcomer. Can I get an amen? 2021, you overcome. <clears throat> this is a year we don't run from our giants. We run towards our giants. Their defense has departed for them. They are bred for us. Let us feed on the adversity. Let us joy in the tribulation. Hallelujah. Because our God gives us the victory. How I many of if the Lord delight in us, He'll give us the land? How I many of He clearly delights in us because He gave us His Son? Amen? And so we want to address the weak link. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> it says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, immaturity in the church is not, immaturity and maturity is not the product of the passage of time. Okay? <clears throat> You can be a Christian for 30 years, but if you don't understand what I'm about to, to, to point you to, which is just Jesus, then you're, you're really not going to be able to mature. You have to get skilled in the word of righteousness in order to mature, okay? <clears throat> what, is that? What, are you, what are you talking about, Jeremiah? Listen, he that knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in him. You no longer carry the filthy rags of your own righteousness. You laid that down when you received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now you have the very divine righteousness of Almighty God given to you through Jesus Christ on His finished work on the cross. You need to know that you're right with God. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, as a result of a new birth and not having anything to do with your conduct. That's the gospel. You're made right with God apart from your conduct. And that's the offense of the cross right there. That God could take somebody like a thief on a cross and make him righteous as God through Jesus and the high priest down there on the hillside is operating in the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees and ain't receiving nothing. Because it's self-righteousness. <clears throat> is it offensive? It is extremely offensive to pride. And extremely offensive to legalism. Because here's the thing. You're invited in, but you can't earn none of it. None of this stuff, it's too expensive to be earned by man's efforts. And so, you are the righteous. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God. That is, and your belief in that is the, is the, the place where you're either enjoying days of heaven on earth or are plagued with doubt concerning your salvation and the blessing of the Lord and the promises of God on your life. <clears throat> And it will be based purely on how highly you esteem the blood. Now, most people are not taught to esteem the blood. They're taught to esteem their behavior. Unfortunately, they're taught to, you know, well, you know, you got to do this and this and this and this. You know, church is like fine print. Oh, come on in. We love you. Yeah, you're in here. Okay, if you don't do this and this and this, you are cursed and you will die. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> You thought it was good news, but wait, there's more. <laughs> now, 
now you must join this committee and do this and do that and give, give this amount and do this. Because we are the middleman. and We will take all that you have. The middleman is dead. His name's Moses. There is no more middleman. Praise God. How I many Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant established on better promises and they are for free. You can't earn them. You can't deserve them. They're all for free. Amen. Good news. Don't trust in you. Trust in Him. Don't trust in you. Trust in Him. Don't trust in you. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Him. He's the one. He saves you because He loves you. Okay? And so, Jeremiah, are you saying that behavior is not important? No, behavior is very important because it's the expression of love, which is your nature. But you cannot express your nature without, you can't express love without receiving love. You can try all day long to walk in love. And you will fail miserably. Because love, agape love is not the product of man's willpower. You can't try super hard to be nice. You can't try to love that person that gets on your nerves. You will fail. You will fail. Why? Because if you could do it, you get the credit. So you can't. So what's your part? We love because He first loved us. At, at the very root of who you are, you, you're a, you're a, you're a what's the receptacle? No, I'm trying to say something else. Uh, <laughs> receptacle? Oh, bro, I don't know, man. All right, hey, you a water bottle. You a water bottle. No, 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 it's cool. I'm, 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 I'm walking away from that now. I can't. I've, I've clearly, I'm too deep in K to Kentucky to, 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 to really pronounce what that is. Receptacle. Something that holds something. Right? Did you say that? I'm sorry. I can't tell. I'm, praise God. You're a water bottle. I mean, you know, this water bottle can only pour out what's already been poured in. You can only give what you first received, and you can only give the love that first comes to you. And you won't know how to receive an unconditional love if you don't understand that you've been completely forgiven. God's not mad at you today. And He's also not disappointed in you. And He's not surprised at your failure. He already paid for all of it. Amazing. And I'm taking it a step further. This, this is really going to amaze you. It's all right here in the book. But not only are you forgiven, I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. This news is so good. The Lord said, I'm going to do something so good, y'all ain't going to believe it. Y'all going to struggle to believe it. He said in the book of Acts. <clears throat> That's what he's doing. He said, not only are you forgiven, this is our new covenant, but your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. You ain't never had a relationship like that in your whole life. You've never known anyone who could forget your failure. But your God can. It's in the book. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. It's hard. I know it's hard to believe. I know it is. But that's what he said. <clears throat> he said, your sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So when he sees you, he sees you. Beautiful and perfect in Christ. Spirit to spirit. Now sometimes your flesh goes crazy. Mind goes crazy. Mistakes go crazy. But God sees you in the spirit. I mean, he sees who you really are. 
Can I get an amen? He sees who you really are. How many of you know sometimes you get wrapped up in some mistakes and delusion and you think you're this person? And God be like, no, you ain't that person. Be like, but I am, God. I did this and that. I'm an angry person. I'm, I'm, I'm bad. He's like, no, you're not. I see. How many know your heart can be condemning you and God won't condemn you? Listen, if God condemned you, he'd have to condemn his son. For those, for those who receive Jesus, in order for God to remove your salvation from you, he would have to punish his son. How many of you know it's called double jeopardy? How many know Jesus can't pay for your sins and you pay for your sins? Either Jesus paid it in full and he did a great job. So you're forgiven and your sins and laws deeds he remembers no more. Isn't that wonderful? Now, when you understand that, you can now begin to receive an unconditional love. And you know what's going to happen to you as you receive that love? It's going to start flowing out of you, into your spouse, into your children, into the people around you. All of a sudden... Your conduct's taken care of. You're walking like a child of God. Not as a result of your willpower, but as a result of a simple overflow of receiving love. This is why the gospel's so important. But you know what our challenge is? We want something deeper. We want something more complicated. We want something we can take credit for. We don't want the simple gospel. We want something that's going to itch our ears and make us feel good about ourselves. Give me a 40-day fast. Give me, give me something to deny. Give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. Don't tell me to dip in the, in the River Jordan seven times because anybody can do that. <clears throat> how many know this thing? I mean, that's how many know Naaman went through that because Naaman had to humble himself in order to receive. This ain't your mountain to climb. The mountain's been climbed. It's not yours. He climbed the mountain for you. Your part is to simply believe. Faith like a child. Come, believe, receive, move on, glorify him. Amen? And so your conduct will be taken care of. But your conduct is not the main thing. God's more concerned about your heart. And the gospel speaks to your heart. Like people are concerned about your conduct. People get caught up in your conduct. But God said, I see past your conduct. I want your heart. I mean, when the prodigal son was in the pig pen making all those mistakes, the father did not see him as a pig. I mean, you know, he, he saw past it. He knew who he really was. He knew his real value. Amen? <clears throat> and so we have to get skilled in righteousness. Amen? In order for us to believe that God's going to be for us when all hell's breaking loose. Now, you, how many know you don't get skilled in self-righteousness? That's what legalism teaches you to do. You need to do more, you need to do this more, you need to do that more so you can trust in yourself so that you can have confidence. How many know in that path, you're never enough? You'll never be enough. Why? Because it's a dangled carrot. It's not New Testament Christianity. God love them. I'm not, I'm not rolling around the mountain no more. I'm in the promised land with Jesus Christ. Amen? And I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it. I was in there as a result of what he did. Amen? And so... And let me just show you a snapshot of what it looks like to be skilled in righteousness that we can all relate to. Remember when you first got saved? You ever see somebody when they first get saved? How many know they have peace? They have joy? They hear God and all their prayers are answered. And we're so confused by it, we've got to make up a name for it. We're like, well, they're a baby Christian. They're on the honeymoon. 
How many know that is not in Scripture? And if it ain't in the book, it ain't real. Right? But we, they're enjoying so much of Jesus that we don't understand it, so we have to create something to help us put them in a box so we don't feel bad about our own Christianity. Like, yeah, man, they're, they're excited right now, but they're a baby Christian. Yeah. Oh, I know they have joy right now. They have peace right now. Yeah, but they're, they're just, they're on the honeymoon. See, let me tell you what's happened to them. For a moment, they actually believe they're forgiven. For a moment, they're not focused on themselves. <clears throat> For a moment, all they see is Jesus. He's the only thing they see. And they have love and peace and joy and relationship but if they're not taught how to become skilled in righteousness, then how many know the, the, in, the accusers after their little conscience? What's he going to get them to do? He's going to get them to make a mistake. Oh, look at you. You thought you were saved? No, you're not saved. You're no good. You're the same person you used to be. Or if he can't get them to give in a temptation, he'll get behind them and push them. Look how awesome you are. You're amazing. Go, 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 go. The next thing you know, they're standing in a gift with no relationship. Standing in a gift with no relationship. Gift will kick. Gift will always kick. You know why it kicks? It's a grace gift. It's a grace gift. It will kick. The gift will always work. Why? Because the gift's really, it's, for, it's there to serve with. But how many know your gift can be operating and your relationship be dry? And you've got to be careful to not think that your gift is your relationship, it's not the same thing. How many know God spoke through a donkey? Hallelujah. <laughs> How many know he, he can speak to whoever he wants to speak through? Amen? And, and, and if the enemy can't condemn you, then he'll push you. But his ultimate goal is to get your attention off of Jesus and to get your attention on yourself. Good deeds or bad deeds. Because if he can do that, then that little frail link in the chain will be broken. And you'll start to look at yourself in terms of your self-righteousness or look at your failure and think that you're not worthy of God's blessings. Both are wrong. But the person who first gets saved, they have it for a moment. But what's supposed to happen is they're supposed to be strengthened in it. They're supposed to be taught and to get skilled in it. You know, you know don't, 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 you know... Understand that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Understand that you have a right. Understand who you are in Christ. Because when the temptation comes, when the failure comes, when the fall comes, how many know you're going to need to be able to point at Jesus? Listen, you're going to have to look at Jesus when you don't feel worthy. That's getting skilled in righteousness. When you don't feel worthy and you don't feel good enough, you're going to have to lift up your eyes and look at the Son of God. And boast in Him. Say, Lord, Your blood was enough. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I testify. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then, and then at that point, man, no demon in hell, no, no human being, no one should be able to move you off the reality of the cross. But here's the thing. Turn to Isaiah 54 and we're going to close. Until, this is how you, you got to get skilled in this, because if you don't get skilled in this, then the enemy will always condemn you out of your foundation. 
He'll always condemn you out of the promises of God if, you, if we don't get skilled in it. And the Lord wants you to get skilled in it. How are you going to do it, Jeremiah? Well, you've got to run your mouth. You've got to say what God has said. You've got to homo legil. You gotta, it's a righteousness which, which is of faith. It's a righteousness that speaks. You've got to say what God has said about you. You've got to say what God has said about you. You've got to say what God out of your mouth. My mouth will kindle your fire, but your mouth will maintain it. <clears throat> You've got to say it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Know who you are in Christ. Amen. Isaiah 54, verse 14. In righteousness you shall be established. The fact that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You got to condemn the tongues of judgment. Listen to me. They're not coming to you from the third person. <clears throat> There's not some voice on the outside saying, you're no good, you're no good. You know what the voice is coming from? You. First person. That fiery dark enemy shoots in the chamber of your heart. <clears throat> See, I'm, I'm no good. I'm this. I'm not spiritual. I'm an angry person. I, I'm no good. I, I. And it may not even come in the form of words. It just, it's the backdrop of your mind. You just feel unworthy. In the backdrop of your mind, you feel like God's disappointed in you and you just don't deserve. You got to rise up and condemn those tongues of judgment. How many know if your heart condemns you, how many know that God is greater than your heart? Can you get an Amen. You, you, we've got to condemn these tongues of judgment so that when the storm comes, you know God is with you in the storm. How many know that is a strong foundation? That is a solid foundation. Can I get an amen? We got we to speak. And you can't speak according to what someone else says or anything other than Jesus Christ. Can I get an Amen. Every time which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, two more places and we close. Go to Luke 6, please, quickly. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> this passage of Scripture has freaked people out for years. And let's, let's just talk about it. Luke 6, verse 46. Jesus talking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show them whom he is like. He is like a man building a house which dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Who is the foundation? Who is the rock? Who is the cornerstone? See, if you don't look at this passage through the lens of the cross, then you'll allow it to legalistically cause you to start weighing yourself in the balances rather than weighing the Christ in the balances. With a, so, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Now, this is a solid foundation that can handle the storm. But he who heard 
and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, if you read that, and, and, and many people have taught it this way, it's about you. Are you doing enough? Are you good enough? Are you strong enough? Have you done enough? Let's take a look at what the Lord calls work. Turn to John chapter 6, please. And you have to understand that in Jesus' life and ministry, there were times he ministered grace and there were times he ministered legalism depending upon who his audience was. <clears throat> legalism is meant for the self-righteous and proud to humble them. But you never once see Jesus legalistically come to a sinner. He always brings grace to a sinner because they recognize that they need, this out, they need a Savior. John chapter 6. Hey, buddy. John chapter 6 and verse 28. Hold on, sweetie. You peed in the park. Okay, okay. We got to celebrate that. Give me five. Give me five. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Eli Johnson. He peed in the potty. Not just any potty, but a big potty. We have been peeing in the potty on a regular basis. We are wearing big boy pants. He is, good job, Eli. Amen. That's to be celebrated, right? Amen. Forgive me for almost cutting him off, right? <clears throat> Amen. John chapter 6, verse 28. And, they, and then they said to him, what shall we do? that we may work the works of God. This is really important. Jesus answered and said to him, This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He sent. How are you going to build your house on the foundation? How are you going to build your house on the rock? How are you going to dig deep? You're going to believe that Jesus did a good job on the cross. And out of believing that, how many you know it's going to allow you to receive love, which is going to allow you to be led by the Spirit of God and do what the Lord is telling you to do? Can I get an amen? How many know sometimes, and how many know there are times when you're going to hit it, there's times you're going to miss it? Because you're human. But the foundation is a result of believing. How do you work the work of God? Belief. How did the thief get saved? Belief. How did Paul get saved? Belief. How did you get saved? Belief. Believe, 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 believe. Because he did it all. We don't do it, he does it. Amen. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 7. And I'm closing. And this is a different account of the same sermon, but he brings out one other aspect which I want to show you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. How many know that in the days ahead, there will be winds? There will be rain. But how many know you have a more sure foundation than anything that, that any human being can produce? What is this? That you have an all-powerful God and that He is for you. Can you get an amen? That's the foundation. That's the rock. And then he goes on to say, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man which built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Ladies and gentlemen, a sand foundation is always shifting. 
Is God for me? Is God against me? Am I forgiven? Am I not forgiven? Did Jesus pay for my sin? Do I pay for my sin? Does God delight in me? Or is he disappointed in me? Who's your foundation? What's the answer to all those questions? Jesus. The Lord delights in you, and you have a sure foundation. But how many know your part is to believe that Jesus did a good job? Can you get an amen? So that you're not in questioning territory. Because how many know when the flood and the rains come, the enemy is going to tell you it's coming as a result of your disobedience? That's what condemnation is. The reason this is happening is because something you did. He has no right to accuse you. Do you know that? The devil has no right to accuse you. Because when he's accusing you, he's accusing the blood of God's Son. Do you know that what's on trial is not you, but Jesus? When the the challenge comes and the enemy can somehow convince you it's a result of something that you've failing or fallen short in, who's on trial? It's not you. Because here's the thing. We all fall short and fail. Everybody. You're not on trial. Jesus is on trial. So when the storm comes and the rain comes, put your shoulders back and you declare what God has said about you. Can I get an amen? You, you, and then you allow your foundation to be sure and solid and strong so that when the rains come and the floods come and all those things come, you're like, my God's for me. Yeah, but you did. Shut up. My God is for me. Yeah, but you did. Shut up. I condemn those tongues of judgment. My God is for me. Now, let me say this. this is very important. I'm not absolving you from responsibility for your behavior. If you do dumb stuff, you need to go apologize. If you, I didn't mean to look at you when I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I did. I looked right over at you and I thought, golly, that, I thought that was so bad. I repent, dude. I'm sorry. That was not on purpose. There are some statements you make as a preacher, you just want to look at the wall when you, when you say them because you don't want to implicate anybody. I'm sorry. That was not intended directly towards you. We all do dumb stuff, right? We all make mistakes. So please understand. How many know that this amazing grace and this beautiful gospel doesn't absolve you from responsibility for your behavior? In fact, because the news is so good and our God is so good, let's carry ourselves as worthy of this gospel. You tracking me? You tracking me? Amen. Carry ourselves as worthy of it. Amen. Now, but when you fail or make a mistake, listen, God's still for you. If you brought the flood, God's still for you. If you brought the storm, God's still for you. If you made the mistake, if you messed it all up, God's still for you. You don't have anybody in your life that's more for you than God is. He's for you. And you know what He'll do? He'll rescue you over and over and over and over again because He loves you. But He needs you to believe that the cross is a success so that you won't have shifting sands of doubt concerning whether God's for you or not. Can I get an amen? He's for you. Now, how I many know He may not be for everything we do, 
Like, I'm for my kids, but I'm not for everything that they do. Because I love them, I correct them, because I want them to walk out who they are. But, he's, but I'm still for them. Are you tracking me here? And he's still for you. So get skilled in righteousness. Get strong in this thing. Amen? And don't allow any devil in hell to talk you out of your blood-bought right to the throne of grace to attain help in time of need. Hey, let's weather the storm. Let's don't just weather the storm. Let's go out and kill the daggone giants. And let's eat them because they're bread. You, you know what I'm saying? Amen. Because, because our God is this mighty, our God is this awesome. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. And I am grateful to be your child. And Lord, I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters that are in this place and are watching online. And Lord, I just I thank you that there be a strengthening that went forth today. That Lord, only you could reach down and touch our foundation and make it strong. And Lord, I, I just thank you that any, any place of doubt would be dissolved and removed, that the weak link in the chain would be made strong by the blood of Jesus, and that there would be just a supernatural courage that would begin to just flow through the body of Christ. Because in the days ahead, Lord, the kingdom needs to be strong. And in the days ahead, the kingdom is within us, in the days ahead, Lord, we take a stand for days of heaven on the earth, despite what the media says, despite what the news says, despite what the world says, despite all of that, Lord, I thank you that your victory is on full display in the glorious liberty of the children of God. I thank you in the days ahead, we laugh, we sing, we feast, we joy, we pray, we witness, we shine like a light in the earth. Your people will be willing in the day of your power. Let a willingness arise in the hearts of your people. I thank you that the things that would distract us and consume us would be cut out of our lives. All the, all the, all the fodder and all the, all the stuff that would try to pull us away and the spirit of this world that would try and tempt us, Lord, let it be cut away. Let us shine pure and bright and true as the children of Almighty God. Lord, I, I thank you for it. I thank you for it. We lock hands with you, Father. We thank you for great days ahead. In Jesus' name. The Lord said that he would uphold you with the right hand of his righteousness. He's upholding you with the right hand of his righteousness. Amen? Because he loves you. Amen. Anyway, if you need to give an all up this morning, uh, lift your hand up and we'll give one to you. Uh, thank you for partnering with our ministry. If you guys are watching online and you want to give into our ministry, it's gracepointgeorgetown.com. just want to say thank you to everyone that gives into our ministry. We don't really have time to do an offering teaching. So, um, amen. Praise God. And if anybody needs prayer for anything, please feel free to, to um, we'll take up this offering and then we'll just kind of move forward. Please feel free to see me or see those around you. Everyone in here has a right uh, to the throne of grace. Um, Praise God. We have a shower today. We have a drive-by shower. 2021 drive-by shower. People are going to throw diapers at us at our house today. 
Amen. Throw all the diapers at us. Amen. Lily's coming, boy, about two weeks, right, honey? A couple weeks, give or take. Any day now? Not any day. Okay, no, not any day. I'm sorry. You know what? Last time, within the next two weeks, yeah. Well, last time we got our last ultrasound, she's six pounds, 14 ounces, so she's already bigger than any of the boys were. So she's, she's ready, boy. She's ready. Question is, are we ready? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hey man, I might just cry for three days, you know what I'm saying? When I look into her eyes, because I'm going to tell her, I'm be like, I've been waiting for you for a long time. So, praise God. That's what's going to happen. Amen. Lord, we ask you to bless this offering, bless our day, bless our week, great days ahead, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.